3: Hello and welcome to the first Total Saints podcast of 2021 and indeed a new decade. Before we get going, TSP wish you and your families a very happy and healthy new year. We look forward to sharing the next few months with you, again discussing the rollercoaster journey of life in the Saints lane. On this initial pod of the year, we'll reflect briefly and as positively as we can on the Christmas fixtures versus Fulham and West Ham. Two London clubs and, just like London buses, two 0-0 draws arriving together. With Saints not playing against Liverpool until Monday evening, we'll also preview that fixture as the German Hasenhutel brings his team to St Mary's. Finally, with the new year traditionally bringing the FA Cup third round, we'll also look ahead to next weekend's tie against Shrewsbury, not Shrewsbury Town, to help provide more detailed insight into the Shropshire side, Ollie Warner from SalopCast, a dedicated Shrewsbury FC podcast, will join us later on to give his thoughts on the game as well. Before all that, fresh from a busy Christmas, our three wise men are here per normal, Steve, Glenn and Dan. Firstly, guys, Happy New Year. Happy, Happy New, Year. New Year. Happy New Year. Indeed. A good Christmas and New Year, Steve, all things considered? Um, it was probably about as quiet
4: a Christmas and New Year as I've ever had. Basically didn't go anywhere, um, obviously. didn't see anybody, <laughs> Didn't see anybody apart from my immediate family. Yep and yeah I mean basically it's just been just for the case of sitting at home watching watching sport and other nonsense on TV yeah. it's been yeah just dull Um, it's, and the problem the problem is it's just kind of a continuation of of the last what nine months or so so it's not actually felt like a break mm, mm. Um, so that's I think that's kind of what's made it
3: particularly grim
4: says um, <laughs> so the
5: guy who went to Dubai for a month <laughs>
4: well yeah but I was still working then it was
3: yeah you back to work tomorrow, Steve. I mean, we're recording this on a Sunday. Yes. so yeah, I know yes, I've, I am, yeah. I've got the uh, the Sunday blues, I think, after two weeks off. But, uh, Glenn, uh, yeah, of course, the C word is still around. I don't know what you're going to say when I say this, but uh, a new year always brings uh, new hopes and expectations, doesn't it? So even though we've probably got a tough few months ahead of us based on that uh, proverbial C word, hopefully a better year than last year.
5: Well, hope, hopefully this time next year we're looking back on it and we've had a decent couple of months at the end where everything's back to normal, yeah. and uh, and everyone's short-term memory will kick in and we'll all think it's been great, even though yeah we all know from this point on that the next probably six months are going to be uh, going to be a little bit ropey, but. Uh, but yeah, yeah. My Christmas was I went, went to a party at Carl Walker's house. But other than that, other <laughs> yeah, than that I, I saw that, you there actually. Didn't you didn't there I? That much? was it. was good. It was a good yeah, night. Yeah, yeah. yeah, lots of Premier League players. <laughs> <laughs> it was um, oh, yeah, yeah, good night. And yeah,
3: uh, yeah. Uh, after that I popped round to see Lamala and uh, Lanzini because they were hosting a Christmas party as well. So it was quite busy there as well. But uh, yeah, there's been a lot oh, going yeah. on. <laughs> so yeah, but so uh, there yeah. we go. So uh, cool. And uh, Dan, are
6: you uh, one for New Year's resolutions? No, that's not me, Ben. I'm afraid. No. No, uh, don't make red new, don't make New Year's resolutions. No. They only lead to disappointment, I think. At so. least you can't break them. <laughs> exactly. That, that's my attitude. You know, if I don't say I'm going to do one. I can't break it. That's that's the way forward. <laughs> Steve, Glenn, what about you? Are you New Year's resolutions, guys, or not? No, I,
4: well, sort of. I, I made a New Year's resolution about 10, 15 years ago never to make a new, another New Year's resolution. And I think I've, you've told us you know, that before, I, I, actually. I have
3: kept that one.
5: Yeah. So. There you go, that's good, uh, yeah. I've, just, I've got the same one I have every year, which is which is about losing weight, which yeah. I never managed to do. It's a recurring one. It's, it's, an, it's an ongoing project, <laughs> which hasn't started yet.
3: I was, I was going to say, I'm the same. It's always, yeah, do more exercise, lose more weight, etc. And then Mrs S will turn around and say, we, you know we, are we going to chuck that half-eaten box of mince pies out or are you going to finish them off and it lasts about five days doesn't it or something like that so uh, at which point i normally buckle immediately but uh yeah we'll see i'm turning 40 this year so maybe i should uh, try and get myself a little bit more uh, trim but uh i don't know what trim is at 40 glenn you can advise but uh i can't it was- remember what trim was <laughs>
5: at 40, like,
3: too yeah. long ago <laughs> there we go so all right well let's get straight into it there's uh, a lot to get through so uh, proudly underpinned by our global patrons this is the first tsp of 2021 episode 143 This is the Total Saints Podcast with Ben Stanfield, Steve Grant, Glenn Delacour, and the Athletics' Dan Sheldon. Saints. Once the screams of he's been, he's been had died down, Turkey had been consumed and every member of this pod had taken an afternoon nap on the couch. Saints ended the year with two festive fixtures against Fulham and West Ham. Like the young child who asked Santa for a shiny new bike, but instead got a knitted jumper. There wasn't much to celebrate. Both games ending nil-nil. Overall, Glenn, not the greatest way for Saints to end an excellent 2020, but still two more points and two more clean sheets.
5: Yeah, if we're talking about the two games as a whole here, the Fulham game, I thought we should have got more, you know, and we should have done more to try and win that game. So I'd say that that was two points dropped against Fulham. Uh, West Ham, I'd say it was a point gained because we, were, we looked like we were running on empty of... Some very tired players. Um, I don't think it's any coincidence that, you know, small squad plus our style of play plus two games a week for the first time this season, and we suddenly looked very tired. Um, and I thought that was the case in the West Ham game. Fulham game, you know, we had the the handball incident where – I just can't believe that with any interpretation of handball, I can't believe why that wasn't given. Just don't understand it. Um, so we could we could have easily come away with from Fulham with a 1-0 win. But it, 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 I found it a little bit disappointing that we um, we didn't really go for it in that game because Fulham were terrible. Um, we had three players missing and we kind of seemed to settle for a point being a good result at the start of the game. But if you look at the players that came in, um, it was Shane Long, Jack Stevenson, and Diallo, all three of those would have started for Fulham. If they'd they'd had them, so even Shane Long, because Fulham striker was Cavalero, who was hilariously bad, did the best um, the best 50p header I've ever seen. I think where he actually headed it sideways, it was it was excellent. But um, but yeah, we didn't we didn't really go for it in that game, which I which I found disappointing. But yeah, West Ham, we've always struggled against West Ham in the past, as everyone knows. You know, we turned. I thought Moyes, David Moyes, for all his detractors, I thought he actually managed the game really well. He set up to. Get, to contain us first half, and then he threw on those subs to uh, to try and win the game. And to be honest, they—if it wasn't for a great save by McCarthy—they they would have won the game. So I was happy to get out of that with a with a nil nil. To be honest. Yeah,
3: we speak about that before the the. The game, didn't we, about their away record and obviously they've since gone up to Everton and you know didn't really look like losing that game and ironically I think it was almost exactly the same minute, 85th, as Ben Rama's chance against us was when uh, Suchak obviously uh, scored up there but uh, you're right, I thought the uh, the Fulham penalty probably could have gone either way but the longer he was talking to him I thought he was at least going to go and have a look at the screen and we were going to get that but uh, there you go. Um, Dan, look, we, yeah, I feel like I'm piling straight in with a tough question here but we know how hard Saints have worked physically during 2020 as Glenn kind of mentioned there so do you think it's just sort of caught up with them a little bit in the end you know there didn't seem to be that sort of collective lack of spark almost uh, across the two matches and I know Will one of our patrons had asked a similar question which I think I can link into this is you know why we potentially dropped off in front of goal so do you think there's anything to it a change of
6: personnel the tiredness maybe something more scientific than that in terms of the kind of attacking players I mean apart from Danny Ings the personnel hasn't changed too much really I think the thing that stood out in those two games, the Fulham and the West Ham games, there was just such a lack of kind of creativity. I thought, you you know, you're just looking at where's that bit of spark going to come from? And it just didn't, throughout both games, it just did wasn't there. I mean, against, I want to say it was West Ham. Obviously, Danny's produced that brilliant bit of skill to, to score the goal. But I mean, that was ruled out for offside. I mean, other than that, that was the, the only moment in that match where I thought, wow, you know, there's that kind of creativity that they've been missing. They looked tired. Shea Adams looked, you know, knackered. And as... As Glenn said it just West Ham just looked like one game too many. I remember there was in the discussion page on the Athletic after the game I, I made a point that you know they just looked tired and the squad wasn't big enough and you know someone commented and said you know, they disagree and it's like well if you look at the squad and you're turning to Shane Long and Michael Obafemi and Nathan Redmond wasn't on the bench and it's amazing how 3 4 weeks ago we were saying you know you look at Southampton's bench and it looks good again and then that just kind of dissipated with Redmond and Vestergaard being out, Diallo's not on the bench. Who You think he's decent. He can come on for sort of 15, 20 minutes, still get used to the Premier League. You know, Redmond coming off the bench is always a good option in the last sort of 25 minutes. You know, tired defences, he can run at them, try and make something happen. And Danny Ings hasn't really looked like Danny Ings since he's come back from the minor knee surgery. Of course, it's going to take a string of games for him to get back up to to full speed. And then obviously to get the setback against City, it's good he's come back so quickly, but you just feel that he's going to need another few matches just to get back to that level we've seen and come to expect from him. It's as like Steve would say, to be honest, or I've not heard him say it this season, but I think you could look at all of those three things you've said about tiredness, creativity. Is it something scientific? And probably say it's a little bit of each, I imagine. Column A, Uh, B and C. Yeah, column A, B, and C. Um, it, it looks like one of those. It's a bit of everything, and the West Ham game just looked like one game, one one match too many. So to to welcome Liverpool to St Mary's is going to be a, another. You know, I'm sure the players can't wait for that one if they're feeling a little bit tired after. <laughs> what we'll possibly West Ham. go wrong? <laughs>
3: <laughs> I know. And we'll, we'll come on to talk about him a little bit because uh, obviously he signed a new deal this week. But I thought that was the one that stood out for me. Dan particularly just briefly was um, Stuart Armstrong didn't play particularly well at Fulham and then was obviously rested for the West Ham game and for me you know he is one of our more creative players ironically you didn't mention him there but again there's someone else that has maybe lacked that spark a a little bit the last couple of weeks and that's uh, probably paid uh, as much of an impact as
6: well. Absolutely and from speaking to people sort of behind the scenes at St Mary's Stuart Armstrong isn't really viewed as a player that can play 90 minutes game after game after game after game after game, you know, his body type just doesn't really allow him to do that. And we've seen him, he's already picked up a niggle this season, I think towards the, towards the beginning. Um, You know, we've seen him return from international duty with, with problems, but he is that player that when you see him running with the ball, you know, going forward, he's, he has got that sort of creative pass in him, a nice through ball, but against, West Ham it just it just wasn't nothing seemed to click uh, in that department Steve as Glenn mentioned I mean obviously
3: we had two shots on target at Fulham we then had three against West Ham so not massive amounts of shots on target but we also had the the potential handball penalty we also had three fairly tight offside goals you know I, I think we can all agree they were all ruled out correctly but again you know on another given day when the the sort of wins behind you to a point you can get more than the two points from those games yeah and I think if you look look sort of back earlier in the season and kind of bits of bits of last
4: season as well those kind of tight scenarios went in our favor Um, we were getting marginal offside calls in our favor we were getting marginal handball calls in our favor so i mean it's that old old cliche of decisions even themselves out over the season i mean i don't think that actually is true but maybe it's just it's just one of those little runs of runs of games where decisions aren't quite falling for us but at the same time we've still not We've still not conceded, conceded a goal over those two games, despite our best defender this season being out injured, despite our best our best holding midfielder being suspended for one of the games, and despite us not really clicking in an attacking sense um, in either of those games, really. I mean, Fulham, as Glenn said, were there for the taking. And, I mean, as you say, on, a, on another day, sort of fractions of body parts sort of being... Slightly further further away from goal, and and we and we win one or both of those games, so it's it's not a disaster by any stretch of the imagination. It just kind of feels a little bit anticlimactic given where we were, what two weeks ago, and I mean in on the on the sort of live-in running table, we were top of the table at, when we were one um, nil up at Arsenal. So yeah, it's it's kind of frustrating that we're now down in down in what ninth, but still three points off the top four at at the turn of the year
3: I think I don't think anybody would have um, would have turned their noses up at that to be honest No exactly I made sure I took a, a screenshot at half time I'm looking at it right here Southampton top with uh, 26 points from 13 games that was at that point against Arsenal I still need to get the mug made with that on it I think but uh, yeah um, it was interesting Glen wasn't it because I think as Steve said there that was that felt like the the positive sort of collective to me is the 18 24 months ago, I mean, we've all followed Southampton a long time, arguably the last 133 years, they would have lost both of those games 1-0, so that does feel like, you know, the the positive through all of this is that at the moment they've got that, if if we can't win, then make sure we don't lose mentality.
5: Yeah, only just to flip that around, there's an argument that, you know, one win and one defeat is better than two draws, which it is, of course, in terms of points, so... True. But not in terms I, of an beat and run. No, not in terms of an unbeaten run, but you'd rather have three points instead of two, I'm sure. I think we all um, I, I felt like, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I'm, uh, I'm over it now, but you pulled it up again. Well, this but is the, the first year. part of the
3: year. I'm trying to be positive. <laughs> Come on. If you can't win, don't lose.
5: <laughs> yeah. You've you got to beat, you've got to beat rubbish teams like Fulham, yeah. basically. If we're a relegation battling side and we're playing Fulham and, you know, we're at their ground and we get a point, we stay above them in the league and everyone's happy. But we're not a relegation battle inside now and we've got to have the mentality that we're going to play one, any one of the three or four really poor teams down the bottom and, and, and we've got to go and win. But, uh, so yeah, I was, a little, I can't get away from the fact I was a little bit disappointed with that game, but yeah, the positives are, as Steve said, two clean sheets with, you know, Jack Stevens has come into the side and, and in the main, you know, he's, he's got a mistake in him as they all have. And he, you know, he's grateful to McCarthy for bailing him out on the, uh, the West Ham game. But we've, we've kept two clean sheets. And to be honest, we haven't really looked like, looked like a team that's been disrupted defensively. We, you know, we look, okay, we look, we've looked okay. So, so yeah, it, it is a positive thing. But, um, yeah, the, the front end of the pitch, as, as Dan said, just, just hasn't really clicked the last couple of games. Theo Walcott's been great, I think. But uh yeah, otherwise, the, you know, I mean, Redmond's not been fit; he's not been great all season. Gineppo not really done a great deal going forward. So, yeah, we need to get some more, and um, you know, and, and Armstrong, as has been off off the case in the last sort of few games as well. So. It's, uh, it's a positive that we didn't lose, I guess. But, uh, yeah, I can't help the feeling we could have taken a few more chances. I,
3: I wouldn't argue with any, any of that. And, uh, yeah, is frustrated a little bit the last few weeks, hasn't he? I know he's young and hopefully his uh, time will come and he's gaining experience and that sort of thing. But, uh, yeah, a little bit frustrating, bearing in mind we've not had Redmond. Um, Dan, look, Fulham, of course, didn't have Scott Parker on the touchline due to a, a coronavirus case within his wider family. Of course, then that impacted Saints and Haas and in the same way for the Hammers game after all, uh, you know, um, I suppose working from home has be the new norm for most of us for the last 12 months. So it's nice that Ralph got a taste of it. But uh, what did you make of that situation for Saints? And I suppose how much of an influence do you think that, that sort of made on, uh, you know, Saints not winning the game against West Ham, his absence and his sort of drive and determination not being on the line? Is that, you know, a reason that we can look back on or do you think that's a bit of an excuse?
6: I think if you're doing that, it, it's almost a bit of an excuse. I mean, it was one game. He would have coached them almost up until that point anyway, so they, they all know what they're doing. And I remember when I interviewed Oriol Romeu earlier in the season, and he said to me he could shut his eyes and know exactly what Ralph wants him to do. So if Oriol was like that, I'm sure, you know, a lot of them are like that. So it shouldn't have made too much difference. You know, he was in the dressing room via a big screen ahead of the game. So he'd have been talking to the players. He was there again at half time. So, I mean, if not all managers kind of get up and, do their players on do they and they all seem to do okay every now and then so i don't think i don't think you can read too much into him not being there as any kind of reason why they didn't win that game it was a one-off it was 90 minutes the player still did a did a good enough job and they've you know, spoken to before the game uh, half time and obviously after the game he would have you know given them some sort of quick debrief and for me no it, it was a shame he wasn't there because it's, it's always good to sort of see him on the on the touch line he's Although I wasn't at the game due to reasons we discussed before coming on. He's always, you know, he's good value to listen to. And I mean when they're on the pitch, realistically, how much do the players listen to, you know, come on Ingsy, come on Ingsy or, or something like that. I, I very much doubt they actually hear that, regardless of, of no crowd. You know, they're so focused on what they're doing that they probably don't hear a, a crazy Austrian on the sideline shouting at them. Or they may choose not to hear it if he's shouting at them, I don't know. <laughs>
5: I think yeah. the biggest problem—the biggest problem—was the communication from Ralph's toilet, where it looked like that, that, <laughs>
6: was, that was where it looked <laughs> like he was sat during the interview somehow down the we're not the, the only person to say that either. Yeah,
5: <laughs> Richard Hitzbickler Richard obviously got a message to send Shane Long on as a sub, and I, I don't understand how that happened. There must have been interference or something. Yeah. <laughs> on the line. Like, well, if we talk about it,
6: like was. he was in his tracksuit. That was about for me.
3: Yeah. No, it was a bit of a bizarre one, wasn't it? Yeah, but uh, there we go. I mean, obviously, it's good to have him back for the uh, Liverpool match, which we'll uh, come on to talk about in a moment. Um, just to close off 2020, then, Steve. I, I know we did have a bit of a chat about this uh, sort of prior to the end of uh, the year on the the pod before, but of course, you know, now all the stats are done, we can kind of reflect on it properly. But Saints eventually finished fifth in the Premier League table for 2020 calendar year, one point ahead of Tottenham, um, 56 points from 34 games, winning 16 of those matches. So only Liverpool, Man City, Man United and chelsea were ahead of us uh, all of course with vastly higher financial resources um i wrote about in the latest total saints uh, opinion on totalsaints.co.uk if you've not had a chance yet to read it it felt like a, a year of sort of progression on and off the pitch for saints and uh, again you know finishing fifth in the the calendar table kind of epitomizes that
4: yeah it shows um shows good progress i'm not quite sure where we were in the previous year I would imagine significantly further down but yeah it's been yeah it's been a good year as, as we discussed on the on the last pod that you can see what you can see the direction that we're aiming for you can see there is a clear plan which I mean you think is, you look at you look at some of the clubs like even the ones that We're above us in those, in that sort of annual table. You look at Chelsea. I mean, the absolute shambles of a performance they put out this afternoon and kind of have been throwing in every so often this season. What's their, what's their game plan? God knows. Lampard doesn't seem to have a clue what, what system he wants to play. Man United. Only only Solskjaer just basically throws on all his all his star attacking players, and they eventually bail bail the team out in the end. They just grind teams down, and, and whereas penalt- and penalties, well, yeah. And <laughs> I mean, City today looked kind of back to how they were sort of two or three years ago, but they're they're still a long way short in in overall terms. Liverpool don't look quite the same, although you can see that they've obviously got a structure and it it's still working, even though they're having to kind of fit bits and pieces in. Um, to make up for injuries and stuff. But we're kind of one of the few up there that have got a tangible plan and you can and you can see it, A, in action, and B, kind of what the, what the sort of future goals are, are likely to be. I mean, I think fifth is probably pushing it in terms of where we're going to be at the end of an actual season as opposed to a calendar year season. But who knows? Um, I mean, you look at the table as we speak – we're in ninth and yet there is um and West Ham are on the same points below us so they're on 26 as well with a game bit so more though yeah yep. um but there's um three points between 10th and 4th and yeah I mean it's just so unbelievably tight there that anything could happen I mean if we go on another good run then all of a sudden we're we're well in the conversation again whereas if we go on a on a bit of an iffy run which we know we're prone to do in every every now and then um, all of a sudden, we're we're kind of back down in 12th, 13th. And everyone was saying, "Well, we got got excited for nothing, didn't we?"
3: Yeah. I'm always nervous to say things like uh, Liverpool aren't much and things like that just uh, ahead of playing them. But yeah, Steve, I've done my research here whilst you're talking. So 2019, we were 13th in the Premier League. And your calendar with forty six points, so we 're ten points better off this year and uh, several places the year before that we were right down in sixteenth with thirty one points so uh, I think that shows Jesus. good progression over the last couple Not of years grim. yeah, <laughs> exactly um, Glenn, I suppose the important thing for Saints now is to keep building on that momentum and as I mentioned earlier, one of the things that uh, they 've done at the start of this year to uh, really do that is um, secure Stuart Armstrong to a new three and a half year deal, so a good starting point
5: yeah absolutely he 's one of the key players. Yes, he's not been he's not been great actually since he got his um covid problem when he was away with Scotland but he's he's you know he's a very important player. I mean, we I think it was highlighted last year when he missed a few games and suddenly the link between midfield and attack just wasn't there. Um and those wide positions in our team are, are crucial for the um you know for the creativity of the side. If then if they're not doing it, then then we do struggle to score goals which is what has happened in the last um, last couple of weeks so he would be in everybody's first choice starting 11 at the moment probably the wide players would be him and walcott who most people would choose so He's own how, i was surprised at how young he was actually i thought he was a little bit older than he uh, than he actually is i think he's um i thought he was nearly thirty but he's not he's about twenty six or twenty seven i think so um yeah so signing him up for a, to take him into his thirties that's um that's a that's a good positive move and I imagine he was quite an easy uh easy deal to sort out.
2: is the total saints podcast proudly underpinned by our
3: tsp patrons saints kick off their 2021 campaign with a visit from the champions on monday night dan with back-to-back draws against west brom and newcastle are the saints potentially getting liverpool at a good time or is there no such thing as a good time with this liverpool side
6: i don't think there's a such thing as a, a good time uh, for this liverpool side i'd i'd be gobsmacked if this if this game ends goalless Uh, well here's uh, a good uh, stat
3: for you Dan Saints have never had 3 nil nil-nil
6: draws in their entire league history I think that weight's going to go on Ben if I'm being (laughs) completely honest with you (laughs) Uh, no they're they're Liverpool are fantastic I think this season although Man United are are joint top uh, at the moment there's no such thing (laughs) thing. they're level on points then Uh, they're level on points uh, with Liverpool, um, and Liverpool have had, you know, several injuries to, to key players. I think that's a mark of just how good this Liverpool side are. They're fantastic to watch. I'm sure Southampton fans will, some Southampton fans won't like me saying that given the, the recent sort of sales the, the club have made. But no, they're, they're just a joy to watch, aren't they? I like Jurgen Klopp. He moans a bit about the substitutes, but he's a sort of manager you'd run, uh, run through a brick wall for very much like Ralph. It's going to be, I think it'll actually be a fantastic game. Uh, I don't know how, in it Southampton are going to be but if they can you know sort of rediscover that sort of touch up front and you know they, I think there will be opportunities for Southampton to score it's just about they have to take them and that will make for an entertaining game because I think Liverpool will most definitely score it'll be interesting to see how Fraser Forster gets on if as we all expect he goes in goal um, I can't see Harry Lewis being given the the goalkeeper's gloves ahead of Forster for this one it's not oh, the open no. <laughs> So, unless there's a no big comment. surprise in goal for Southampton, um, you know, we should all expect Fraser Forster. And it's going to be a big test for him. And, you know, I, I reckon when he goes to sleep tonight, he'll be most definitely looking forward to it. Mm. I think uh, that's the thing, Steve, isn't it? They've obviously
3: struggled with injuries a bit, as Dan mentioned, but uh, they haven't struggled in terms of sitting at the top of the table. What have you made of them overall? Because it is just one defeat in all competitions since that 7 2 loss at Villa Park in October, so 18 games ago, including, of course, winning 7 0 at Palace the other week. Yeah, I mean, this. It's been an odd season for everybody, hasn't it? But I think no, none more so than for Liverpool.
4: I mean, if you think that the reigning champions who, I mean, you could barely get a goal past them in, like, in three games against them a year ago. And yet they're shipping seven goals to a team that, that stayed up on goal difference. It's been, yeah, it's been very strange. And they've been, they've blown hot and cold in terms of performances. Although I kind of thought they, they did, a, they did at times last season as well, but they were just relentless. Um, this year, it's not been quite the same kind of force, force of will, if you like, um, to get those to get those sort of jammy late wins that they kept getting um, a year ago. But they're still they're still top, which kind of goes to show how ridiculous sort of, as as Dan said, how sort of far clearer of everybody else that they are. That despite the fact they've got obviously their best defender out their first choice keepers missed. Half a dozen games, I think, and there's been various other um, injuries through the midfield as well. And yet they still look completely comfortable. I mean, that's that's obviously testament to the system. It's testament to the squad depth that they've got. I mean, Jed and, Jed and Sha- Shakiri ca- still can't even get on the bench, um, even though we've gone up to nine subs, which is which is insane for a play- for a player of um, of his ability.
5: There's not enough room to fit him on the bench. He's too far. Well, no,
3: I suppose not, not, with those, not with those calves, is there? I mean, he's, he's a very strange-shaped person, isn't he? <laughs> and then, didn't he have a Lee um, Griffiths hair transplant as well, didn't he? Oh, was he? Yeah, I'm okay. pretty sure he has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah that can only end well.
4: <laughs> um,
3: um, but yeah, yeah they're, they're, a, they're, a,
4: they're obviously a, an excellent team, and they are still, unfortunately, the best in the country. We are going to have to ra- raise ourselves for that game and hope they're on a, they're on a little bit of an off day. Um, if, we, if we're going to win it, but I mean, they've they've had they've had off days. Um, I mean, you, I mean, you look at how God awful West Brom have been under large Samuel um, since he since he came in, what, three weeks ago and West Brom got a draw at Anfield and yet West Brom have been absolute toilet against everybody else. So it's not, it's not beyond the realms of, realms of possibility. Newcastle got, got a nil nil draw, which, I mean, to be honest, is exactly what I expected Steve Bruce to play for from kickoff. And he kind of does it every game, but they held out. And so there's, there's something not quite clicking, I think, at times in attack. You're obviously going to get the occasional game where it all, Falls into place like it did at Sellast, and obviously we've just got to make sure that we're not on the uh, on the wrong end of that. Because if if that happens, then obviously we're um,
3: we're in a whole world of trouble. Mm. Glenn, we need to. Cut Liverpool some slack, don't we? I mean, this will only be their third game in 16 days, so you know, in terms of trying to get any momentum going, with an unfair schedule like that, too few games in uh, such a long period of time seems a bit unfair, doesn't it?
5: <laughs> yeah, it's not like they need all the advantages they can get. No, they're they're a, they're a fabulous side, as as the others have said, and uh, what and Steve made a point earlier on about them playing to a plan. Uh, that's, that's what I like about him and, and the players that Klopp has brought in have been in, have been brought in specifically to play to the way that he wanted to set his team up. Um, you know, he wants, he wants fullbacks as wingers, so he's got those two, um, Robertson and and, uh, Alexander Arnold Robertson needs a good slap off of someone at some point, but, uh, he's, he's a fabulous 50-50 player. with Oreo Romeo wouldn't go yeah, miss, would yeah, it? Yeah. 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 He's a, he's a fabulous player going forward. And, uh, and, and we all know about the, you know, the, the front three, but having said that about Robertson and, uh, and, and Trent on the other side, they're going against Newcastle. The two of them must have put 10 crosses each into the box without one going near a Liverpool player it was interesting they were just they were just slinging crosses in but you know they liverpool weathered the storm of not having virgil cuz i was hoping that um with him being injured that would stop the full back's bombing forward and they'd have to find a different way to play but fabinho has stepped in there and they they've been just almost just as good defensively though i will say they they have been trying a couple of players you've not necessarily heard of Reese williams and there's a guy called phillips who have been playing center backs so though those two if they play we have to target them because they they don't look particularly great. Really, really don't. One of them played in the West Brom game and got completely outpaced by the West Brom striker.
4: Charlie you Austin. Know, like,
5: what? Charlie Austin? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was really funny because they took, it was Carlin and Grant and then they took Carlin right. Grant off and put Charlie Austin on just after Grant had proved that he was twice as quick as the, uh, as the Liverpool centre back. And then he put Charlie Austin on just to, just to look like a pudding in a blue and white striped shirt. But, uh, but no, they, is, know. you know, they, there is, there is chances there for us in this game, but we have to, we have to have more of a threat up front and we obviously have to concentrate defensively otherwise um you know we could be on the end of uh something quite harsh. I know and, and joking aside Steve um, a bit like West Ham our recent record against Liverpool
3: is pretty poor of course the 2017 League Cup semi-final triumphs aside we won both of those 1-0 as everyone will remember it's only one win in our last 13 Premier League games with uh, Liverpool and I think most of us can remember that with Ronald Koeman running down the uh, touchline after the 3-2 win uh, under him in 2016. Ironically of course the winner coming that day from Sadio Mane who now plays for Liverpool it's also a run of six Premier League defeats in a row against them at the moment um, um, I said this was a positive start to the year with the pod, didn't I? But uh, look, I mean, given how we have looked a little tired physically recently, and as Dan mentioned earlier, you know, maybe struggling to to get too many opportunities to attack in the game potentially. How do Saints overcome recent history to pick something up from this game? Do you think?
4: I actually think that if we if we kind of take a more conservative mindset into this into this game, I mean, it's it's one of those where ca- can we play that way? Is the question. Do we have, do we have the players to retain concentration for, for the long period of time that you would need to do so in order to play kind of slightly more conservative, conservatively and try and hit them on the break? Kind of like almost similar to what we did against Man City in the summer, I guess. Although I wouldn't expect Liverpool to be quite so sort of tippy tappy about it. They'll be a little bit more ruthless. But I think there are, i mean as glenn glenn rightly said there are weaknesses there certainly defensively in attack they've not looked quite as potent um palace game aside obviously yeah there's there are reasons why we shouldn't necessarily fear them and i mean let's face it we've got ourselves into a into a good position in in the league over the over the past what um couple of months where we c- we can kind of go into these games with the confidence of of knowing that um, we can we can stand toe-to-toe with these guys now.
3: Mm. Here's another good stat for you guys. Saints could become the first team to beat all seven Premier League champions in the season following a title win. I didn't know that, so uh, we'll see how that one goes. Um, Dan, a couple of final questions for you before we do our uh, match predictions. Of course, Saints have announced earlier today that uh, Alex McCarthy will be out of the game after a, a positive COVID test result. So I think first things first, obviously, all of us will wish Alex well in getting healthy again. Um, a nice quiet game for Fraser Forster to return to, as we mentioned mentioned earlier but I was thinking maybe the positive is that Saints and Forster will probably have known about this for a few days wouldn't they and so at least mentally and in terms of getting himself ready for the game and training with Andrew Sparks and things like that it's not like he's you know it's not like McCarthy's got injured in the warm-up and he's suddenly got to get himself ready you know he he should have enough time to kind of prepare for this
6: absolutely and let's not forget he's played you know a few times for for England so he's not exactly an inexperienced goalkeeper coming in the thing that will be most interesting for me is how he adapts or how because we've not seen him for such a such a long time in the Southampton shirt I think I was at um, the West Ham game with Adam Leach when they got I think they lost 3-0 or 3-1 admittedly Ralph played he made so many changes for that game and you could probably argue that none of the goals were really Fraser's fault it was just he just had a poor defence and there were just kids everywhere Uh, in front of him so it would be interesting to see how he's adapt he adapts to what ralph likes the goalkeeper to do now which is step out a little bit more be comfortable with the ball at his feet which is we've all seen it's it's been a fairly long process with mccarthy but we're all seeing the the benefits of that this season i thought mccarthy's been one of the if not the standout player for southampton obviously there was the the hiccup against tottenham where they conceded so many goals but that you'd argue was more to do with the high line and probably less to do with mccarthy you know, he was given hardly if you've got Harry Kane and son charging down at you every five minutes, it's not gonna be pretty, is it? But in terms of Fraser Forster, he would have known about it. He was you know, he's this is what he wants really, it's the one chance, isn't he? He can come in and if he does well, then that's great. And if as Southampton's statement said that it McCarthy could also be out for the Shrewsbury game, that's another opportunity for him. So he should be looking at this and saying, "Right, oh, I've got two games now. I've not had that at Southampton since I got dropped back in December 2017. He's not had two games in a row in a Southampton shirt. So he should be looking at this as a as a brilliant opportunity. And if he comes in and does well, then one thing he will do, you'd imagine, is a few pe- a few more clubs may take notice because no one's taking notice of Fraser Forster sat on the bench at the moment. No one's paying him any attention. You know, still didn't want to pay the money to." To, take, to buy him permanently, or whether they couldn't afford it, or whatever. So if he does well, you know, it's uh, he's obviously not going anywhere in January, but it may raise a few eyebrows at other clubs come the summer. That oh no, he can still do a job. Oh, we've not seen Fraser in a while. He's still decent enough. So it's uh, he should really view this as this is his kind of one one big chance because when McCarthy's fit, McCar- well, when he's recovered from COVID, and as you say, you know, first and foremost, let's hope he's okay and his family are, are all okay. Who who he's living with. He's coming straight back into the team. It's going to be interesting. He's going to be busy, so it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a it's straight into the, the the bullpen, if you like. But I'm looking forward to seeing how he gets on.
3: Mm. Just
6: finally, then, Dan, uh, we know there's obviously a lot uh, of mutual
3: respect between the two managers, given their backgrounds working in Germany, etc. How much do you think Haas and Huttel enjoys the uh, tactical battle with the likes of Klopp when they face each other?
6: I'd say he probably thrives off it. Uh, these are, I don't know if he said it in a recent press conference or or previously or I'm just imagining it which I don't think I am he views for, for Ralph these are kind of the Champions League games this is him going up against the best managers you know the Pep Guardiola's the, the Jose Mourinho's Jürgen Klopp's this this is for him the biggest test isn't it it this is where I imagine he marks himself basically it's all right well and good going up against uh a David Moyes but now you're going up against the Jurgen Klopp, who's just won the Champions League, just won the Premier League. That's the level Ralph wants to be at. So he, I'd say he absolutely thrives off it. Cool. All right. Well, let's
3: get to our first set of uh, widely over optimistic match predictions for 2021. Then, um, Steve, let's start with you. Saints against Liverpool. What do you think? Struggle to be overly optimistic with this one,
4: unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. I just think we need, need a little bit of a timeout to kind of reset and regain some energy. And I think this, this is probably going to go, go south on us. So um, I'm going to go for a,
3: Probably a two-nil Liverpool win. Two-nil Liverpool win. All right. Just to jump in there, um, I, I, yeah, I think as ever Saints will give 100%, but uh, I just think in the end Liverpool's quality uh, is going to pay off.
6: So I'm going to go for a two-nil Liverpool win as well. Unfortunately, um, Dan, what do you reckon? I'm really toying with this one. I don't know whether to to go with what my gut says, which tells me Southampton could be on the the end of a fairly heavy defeat, or sort of back Fraser Forster to do a good job. I think you job. should back
3: Fraser Forster definitely. For all I'm of our listeners are saying Fraser the same.
6: Forster, to make a few good saves, but Southampton to, to still lose 4-1. <laughs> I tried to think <laughs> I Tried to think what the other score was. Frankie. <laughs> <laughs> right, come
3: on he's, then, Glenn. He's, he's picked that score quite deliberately, hasn't he? <laughs> Do you think? Hmm.
5: Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> I, I, what I'm going to prove is, is that, I, you know, I won this last year, so I consequently don't care. So because you lot have all been negative, um, I, <laughs> I'm going to go for a 2-1 defeat. No, I'm not. I'm going to go... I, I'm going to go for a. I'm going to 0 go win. How about 1-0 that? one 0 win, brilliant. I oh, would we'll definitely take that. And I should add quickly that uh,
3: Dan obviously had a one-one in the West Ham game. He was the only one that predicted the draw. So it's now eleven apiece between you two. I probably should have told you that before you did your prediction, Ben. So apologies for that. But uh, there we I go. I don't.
5: I really don't care. <laughs> You're listening to the Total Saints podcast.
3: Going to the heart of all things, Saints FC. Subject to COVID testing, next weekend brings the return of the FA Cup to St Mary's with League One Shrewsbury Town heading to play us. Earlier this week, ahead of the tie, to help get a little more inside knowledge about the town and football club, I spoke to Ollie Warner, host of the Salop Cast, Shrewsbury Town's number one podcast. Ollie, thanks for joining the podcast. Really appreciate it. Lovely to have a chat to you. Before we get on to talking about Shrewsbury and the FA Cup tie, how was your Christmas and everything? Yeah,
2: it's been really good, thanks. Yeah, as as well as it can be, being trapped at home, um, and now trapped at home, not just because of lockdown, but also now by snow. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's snowing right now, which is nice. But um, yeah, it's been a good, uh, just chilling a lot, to be honest. <laughs> Watching a lot of the West
3: Wing. <laughs> All right, so that's the uh, the box set at the moment, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Good. Any any recommendations for any of our listeners other than West Wing? Is there anything you've watched uh, before we get into the important stuff the last few months that, through lockdown that you think we should be uh, keeping an eye on?
2: Yeah, the um the chess one on Netflix is really good. I can't think of what that one's called. The the Queen's Gambit. Right. That's really good. So yeah, that would be my tip.
3: Good, good, excellent. Alright. Let's have a chat about the football then. Obviously uh Saints are set to play Shrewsbury uh next weekend in the FA Cup third round. Um what was the general reaction at your end to drawing Saints at St Mary's?
2: Um, no offence to Southampton fans, I'm sure you guys are quite used to this. We were a bit mere. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Um it's not going to um, you know, a bigger side, Premier League side. And for me, I, I really like following football and I you know, read articles about Southampton tactics and stuff. And I know what a fantastic manager you've got um, and how ruthless you are. I've actually got a few of your players in my fantasy team. <laughs> so, so, yeah, for sure, it's, you know, either we want a team that we're easily going to beat mm. or a big name. And you're neither really a big name and you're a team that's probably going to beat us quite convincingly. So it's <laughs> kind of, yeah, we don't nothing really to gain. And obviously not being able to travel as well. Yeah. Um it makes it a bit different as well.
3: Mm, you say that our uh, record sometimes against uh, lower league sides, with all due respect, uh, you know, is not great over the years. Um, I, I suppose a little bit more consistent these days. But um, just before we get into sort of talking about you know your season and things like that, um, you know, to be fair to Shrewsbury, uh, Ollie you've obviously had some great recent FA Cup form. Because uh, I was uh, certainly remember watching the, uh, the replay at Liverpool last year, and then I think the season before that taking Wolves to extra time and just losing, and the season before that, of course, taking West Ham to extra time as well. So with all due respect, again, you know, far from a push over
2: yeah in the last 10 years or so even going back to 2003 when we beat Everton with David Moyes um, in the Mm. third round and yeah more recently yeah we've played um Jose Mourinho's Chelsea um we've played um Man United um we've played yeah all sorts of teams in the last few years and yeah we seem to our players seem to raise the game against um bigger opposition Mm. um and yeah we've had some really really good results last year was fun and beating Bristol City um, and then playing Liverpool But unfortunately, um, as soon as final the Whistle went, cop ruined it because he started whinging and and moaning about um, the winter break. Uh, so we lost probably about three quarters of a million pounds, uh, yeah. because of that, which is a bit af- unfortunate. But yeah, we're good in the cups and our players seem to raise their game.
3: Sounds like Jürgen moon, isn't it? But, uh, there we it go. Um, <laughs> um, look, we were just having a chat before we started there about uh, Shrewsbury's sort of run at the moment. I, uh, I was looking here, so it's one defeat and nine in all competitions. We're recording uh, just ahead of your game. I think uh, you're, you're playing during the week, of course. But, um, yeah, I mean, obviously uh, a good run at the moment. So what have you made of uh, Shrewsbury so far this season?
2: Yeah, it's a story of two hearts, but not two equal hearts. Um, where we had 13 games under, um, Sam Ricketts mm-hmm. and where we won one game in the league and that was a 94th winner, um, against Wimbledon away. <laughs> so the record was not very good and we were poor to be polite. Um, we were absolutely abject in every aspect of a football game you could possibly think of. We couldn't score. We couldn't defend. Um, we were naive. We were looked unfit. Um, and then Steve Cotter came in. We had, the Oxford City game in the FA Cup where we didn't look great, but um, we, look, we won that. We got mm. to manage to get over the line in extra time. And then in the league, it is literally unbelievable. Mm. And if anyone wanted a case study of how important a football manager and their staff is, this is the example. So we looked like destined to go down with Burton and Wigan looked absolutely abject. And you know you're bad when you hear... True contacts, uh, former pros who are playing against you say that she's looked shot after 35 minutes. And the results we've had now have just been unbelievable as you, as you, yeah, allude to beating mm. the top three. So it's imagine if you put a Premier League analogy on it, it's like, yeah, it's like Big Sam taking over West Brom and then beating, um, I don't know, Chelsea, Man City and Liverpool yeah. away from home. <laughs> it's unbelievable.
3: Cause as you say, Lincoln City, Hull City and Doncaster Rovers, you've gone to all three of those over the last few weeks and won 1-0, yeah?
2: Yep, we have, yeah. Um, really good at playing on the counter um, and defending well. As you know, you guys know um, you've had your own um, experiences of, of some heavy defeats over the last few we years. Have, and yeah. Yeah, getting that defensive solidity was obviously Steve Cottrell's first priority. We do have a threat so we've got Charlie Daniels yep. um, who I'm sure all your listeners will know. Just the case, He's got yeah. a great set-piece delivery Um and we've got Aaron Pierre who's a really good central defender and he's scored four goals this season for us. Mm. So yeah, we've kind of rode our luck a little bit but We've worked so hard and the change in the players, it's unbelievable. Like the common, the neutral commentators who do I follow and we're saying, you know, you wouldn't know who was top and who was 23rd when we're playing Hull. Um, it's quite remarkable.
3: Yeah, you, you mentioned Steve Cotchell there. I mean, obviously he's he's been around. He knows the lower leagues. You know, he's a he's a well-respected manager. I think we can probably say that. So, is it just the fact that he's got them a little bit more organised, or do you think, obviously, mentality-wise, you, you know, we know winning breeds confidence in football and things like that? So, has he done pretty much an all-round job of trying to lift various things tactically and sort of uh, in terms of the players?
2: yeah um definitely. He's done a bit of everything obviously um in this season we've been playing um twice a week mm. for for months now. It seems like we generally have played twice a week in December every single week, and Christmas is just basically just the same as the other weeks yeah um and yeah, he said he's talked about video analysis and um he's he's got them working on shape um we've got We played when we played against hull um we had a clear instruction not to let honeymoon get on his left foot and also track their inverted fullbacks. And we absolutely nullified them mm. against Lincoln and Hull. They're the, the two top teams in the division. They had one shot on target against us over yeah. 180 minutes. So, and then it's also little things. So, um, we have their next pro that sometimes comes on our podcast and he was talking about the defender's shape not being right. And um, it's really funny. Steve Potts will talk about that in the post match about their shoulders being the right way and things like that. So he's, he's a real details man. Mm. And then he's, yeah, the changing the back three is, yeah, we've gone from having you know lower league conference or lower league, league two level central defenders to having central defenders that will have um, you know maybe championship teams looking at them again like they were last year.
3: Mm. How does your team tend to set up at the moment, Ollie, in terms of uh, you know formation wise and things like that? Again, not giving too much away, of course, because I'm sure uh, you know I doubt Ralph Hals and who will be listening to this, but you know you <laughs> never, never quite know, do you? But uh, yeah,
2: I'm sure it won't take more than five seconds to figure out how we play <laughs> uh, when they're watching the videos. Uh, we play. um Three, four, one, two. Right. So it's very classic, kind of number 10 with a back three. Now we're under Sam Ricketts. We played a back five, but we don't play that. We definitely play a back three. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, yeah, and then we have two com- combative box to box midfielders, um, in central midfield and number 10 and number 10 role is kind of swap between a few number of players. Yep. Um, but yeah, we had a, we had, have got a lad on loan from Brentford who played really well last week. So. I'll be interested to see if he starts again tonight.
3: Yeah, and you mentioned a, a few players. You, you're right. I mean, obviously, uh, Bournemouth like to think they are our rivals, but they're not. But you've you certainly <laughs> got a couple of ex-Bournemouth players in Mark Pugh, Charlie Daniels. You mentioned uh, Aaron Pierre. Sean Wally, I know, has obviously scored a lot of goals for you this season. Jason Cummings, of course, played up in Scotland for Rangers and teams like that. And then you got players like Leon Clark as well. So there's a lot of experience and arguably, you know, a lot of talent in that Shrewsbury team.
2: Yeah, it's funny. Let's take Jason Cummings first. Um, Steve Cottrell said he's not fit. So a professional footballer who isn't, hasn't been injured, isn't fit at this time of the year. No, I think that says enough, enough about him. Hmm. Um, yeah, I'm much surprised if we let him go. It's bad to deceive. Um, in terms of quality, we've got, know yeah, Aaron Pierre is a really good central defender whose data and stuff has been good enough for the championship. Yep. So he's a really good central defender, plays on the left. And then we've got a kid who's, um, friends with uh, Marcus Rashford and came through the Man United youth system called Rochelle Williams, who plays on the right side. He's really fast. And then we've got a a really solid, um, League One player called Ollie Norburn, who's our captain in the middle, who's one of those players who the fans kind of like criticize all the time, but the managers and opposition managers always comment on. So it's like, yeah, he just kind of the, the kind of the dirty stuff. And, um, but he's quite good. He's, his form has really changed. Um, and then we've got a player who maybe won't play for you, but I really hope we keep him. We've got a kid called Zambriak, who's on loan from Brentford. Right. So when Brentford last season were getting into playoffs, he was in their first team and on their bench. And he hadn't really played for us. And then he played as a number 10 on Saturday. And he did an absolutely delightful through ball for us to score. He um, He's a Czech international. Right. So, yeah, he should really be playing in our side.
3: Yeah. How do you think um, Shrewsbury will sort of react to the, the Cup run? Because, uh, again, you know, we always know lower league sides, you know, by the time they get to the third round, they've played four or five games, you know, something like that. So I, I was looking at your fixtures. I think you've got Lincoln City again. You seem to have played them every other week at the moment. And then Sunderland sort of straight after the Cup game. So do you think Cottrell are, are put, you know, some emphasis on trying to win this game? You know, no one goes out to lose, obviously, but you know what to mean. And secondly, I was just going to ask, you know, there won't be any fans at St Mary's. So do you think that's a, a bit of a bonus as well from terms of Shrewsbury turning up without that pressure of a crowd, you know, of 30,000 getting behind Saints?
2: Um, yeah, I guess that your fans could go either way, couldn't they? If we get an early goal um, and you get frustrated, that could be in our favour. Um, in terms of team selection, it's really hard to tell because there isn't really any evidence to suggest how he might do it. So when we played in the, um, the Papa Trans Trophy, which is the, the tournament where all the under 21s team play, and he played a, a complete reversal of a side. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe he might rotate one or two, but Money at this, this time of year, in this year, and also in the FA Cup is quite big. So there is a financial incentive for us to try and get through to the next round. He has been very consistent with his team selections, even playing Monday, Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday. So I wouldn't be surprised if we actually play a a strong team. Now, the interesting thing is obviously we've just got to the January transfer window, and he's already hinted that a few players are already in the, in the, you know, fires in the iron and all that. So maybe we might even have
3: a few new players. Grand. All right. Well, just before we uh, finish with a couple of questions, one around uh, telling us something about Shrewsbury that we may not know as Saints fans. And I saw you share that with your uh, followers on Twitter yesterday. And there was some brilliant stuff coming back, actually. So there may be more than one here. Of course, uh, I was doing a bit of research here, and You can let me know if I go wrong. Shrewsbury town are obviously known as the Salop. Is that right?
2: Yeah. Within team and country, I think that has the Latin chant. Right. So, yeah. So just outside Shrewsbury, um, there was the second largest Roman settlement. Um, And the area was called Salop by the
3: Romans. There you go, excellent. And uh, saw something, yeah, interesting about Tottenham Hotspur yesterday. So I don't know if that's the one thing you're going to choose uh, in terms of, uh, yeah, something that we may not know about Shrewsbury, the town, or the football club, Ollie. But uh, yeah, there was quite a selection to choose from.
2: Yeah, there was quite a few interesting, um, few interesting comments coming out. There was one that, um, yeah, Shrewsbury was the home of the first, um, skyscraper, which is the first IM building ever built, which I thought was interesting. Yep. And then, yeah, Harry Hotspur, yeah, had a battle that just outside Shrewsbury. Um, and interestingly, in terms of, obviously his name went on to go towards Tottenham Hotspur, yep. and it's the only one of the few teams we've never played which I thought was quite interesting yeah,
3: there as well. Yeah, it is funny when you do these sort of things. It's interesting what you learn, isn't it? So uh, there you go. So Shrewsbury will forever be known as the uh, town that had the first uh, skyscraper then. So uh, good stuff. All right. Well, just before we uh, get you to sort of um, promote your uh, pod and, and things like that, Ollie, because I, I I know lots of our listeners, they don't just, uh, a bit like you mentioned earlier, they like to, to follow football and have a, a listen to different podcasts and read different articles and things like that. What's your uh, prediction for the game then, Ollie?
2: Um, I think it's going to be um, a Southampton win. Um, I'll go 2-1. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a great tactical battle with two managers that um, are not afraid to kind of mix formations and, and set up during the game. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see how both sides set up for this one.
3: Just finally then, Ollie, as I say, if people want to have a listen to uh, the Saloc cast, where can they uh, find it? Yes, yeah, so on
2: Twitter we're cast and then we're pretty much in everything else. So SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, um, ACast everywhere.
3: Brilliant. All right. Well, lovely. It's been a pleasure having you with us. And obviously, uh, next weekend aside, Ollie, we wish you uh, all the best for uh, the remaining uh, part of the season. If you can take three points off the other side of the M27 when you play them next, that'll be helpful from all of us as well. But yeah, obviously, (laughs) best of luck for the rest of the season. All right. Cheers, guys. Thanks again to Ollie for dropping in for a chat. Very much appreciated. Um, Steve, some interesting stuff in there. Not least that they have some very good FA Cup pedigree, of course, over the past 10 years or so. Something we'll need to be very wary and respectful of. Yeah, I mean, I think this... This year's FA Cup, in particular, is probably
4: actually going to be even even more insane for some of the sort of giant killings that go on. I mean, let's let's be honest. There's quite there's a fairly strong likelihood there might be one or two walkovers um, with teams having to withdraw from the competition if they've got COVID issues and and this sort of things. So the FA have been uh, quite adamant that, that these games are going these games are going to be played this weekend, and and that's that's the end of it. Their their record over. I mean, to be honest, going back sort of twenty-five, thirty years, really, their their pedigree in in the FA Cup. Whenever they've come up against a top um, top-flight side, they've always give always seemed to give them a good good account of themselves. I remember, I mean, back in what late nineties, they binned Everton off in in like the, a ninety-eighth minute winner or something ridiculous um, at the old at their old ground at Gay Meadow um so it's not a it's not a particularly new thing for for shrewsbury that that they're that they're able to raise their game in in these particular games and um yeah we'll have to be have to be on our on our game to an extent although I would expect us to make quite a few changes after after tomorrow night just to as i say just to recharge. Recharge batteries, I think, and there's a lot. There's a lot of sort of fringe players who haven't played any football
3: for a long time. Well, uh, we'll come on to have a, a brief chat in a minute with Dan about Mohamed Salasu, the lesser spotted Mohamed Salasu. But uh, yeah, they're uh, at the moment they didn't play this weekend, as we were talking before the pod started. Steve mentioned uh, the uh, uh, game was called off against Crewe due to COVID testing, but they are currently on a run of one defeat in ten games, so they're doing quite well. I can't say I actually remember this game too well, but records tell me that Saints last faced Shrewsbury in November 2010 on. The Nigel Atkins, when quote after a largely mundane and entirely uneventful game at St Mary's Saints defeated the Shrews with two goals in injury time from David Connolly and Adam Lalana. but I can't remember that but uh, there we go um, I believe that that was the first round of the FA Cup back then um, Glenn we know when we spoke to Martin Simmons that uh, Saints obviously want to take the Cup runs very seriously um, of course it was a very disappointing exit to Brentford in the League Cup earlier in the season so how important and uh, how much sort of pressure almost do you think that puts on saints to now have a decent fa cup run
5: um i don't think that the league cup exit puts any additional pressure on them um clubs have a history of saying they want to prioritize the cups and then when it comes down to it especially with the financial situation being the way it is at the moment it's the league that takes priority i agree with steve In, i can't see very many of our regular first team 11 playing in this game maybe people like Ward Prowse will play because he, he you know he plays every single game it seems but uh, I would expect to see quite a lot quite a few um changes I think we'll see quite a few of the youngsters you know the likes of Finlandalu and Teller and Smallbone people like that Sulasu, who you mentioned you know and the likes I can't see Ryan Bertram playing in that game for example either so Will be we will be under strength but we should have enough to see off Sh- Shrewsbury I know they're playing relatively well at the moment which I didn't know until just now because they must have been rubbish at the start of the season then because they're, they're still bottom half of League One yeah so, they were as,
3: uh, as Ollie was mentioning Sam Ricketts obviously got replaced in November and Steve Cottrell seems to have turned them into uh, the Liverpool League One I think yeah
5: yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, well, Steve Cottrell's was a bit of a legend in his own mind, and he he always has been <laughs> He was manager then down the road for a bit, wasn't he? he? Was, he had, I think uh, he was in Bristol City. then Yeah. 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 I, mean, I always remember him talking a good game. Wasn't it during all their financial meltdown that he was one of the managers? I think, but uh, was well. it yeah, after? I think he oh. was.
4: Our, he might have been after Appleton, possibly.
5: Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. Okay.
3: All, I, but, all uh, I remember about him is that whenever you hear him talk, he's got a, like a proper Bristol accent, and because he? he's from yes, Cheltenham.
5: Yeah. Yeah, he he has, but uh, not that we should hold that against him at all. Not at, all. But, not at um, all. but yeah, no, I had a quick look at some of their players: Charlie Daniels from Bournemouth, yeah, and Mark Pugh from of Bournemouth Fame, yeah, yeah. And, Leon Clay. So yeah, they've obviously got they've obviously got a few decent players, and and if we don't take it seriously, it will be a a very difficult game. But I I still can't see us fielding many of our regular um, first team players
3: to be honest mm. Dan uh, I'm desperate to make sure that everyone knows Dan that you uh, were quick to get in there that Joe Hart came from Shrewsbury right
5: yeah
6: that's it I mean that's, that's, that's all you need you know to about know <laughs> and I've just been reading BBC's website on Shrewsbury recently while you guys have been talking and it looks as if you can stop Sean Wally yeah. then we've got Southampton have got a bloody good chance of beating them you're just going on the top goal scorer list though aren't you He's also top of the assist list as well, but Oh, there you go. Um, Five, I good thought you'd your research. I thought you'd done your research. So oh, I what, you <laughs> what, a, what a wally. I know, what a <laughs> wally. So there
3: we go. Right, come on then, Dan. Mohamed Selassie, there's a, a high chance, I think, Ralph is going to give him his debut in
6: this game as long as he's fit, right? I think so. I think so. It it was the chance... Um, obviously, fans hope to see him at Craven Cottage, but the conversations I had, it would almost... That was quite a difficult situation for Ralph, because if you play Salisu, you definitely annoy Jack Stevens. Um, and then if you play Salisu and it doesn't quite work out because it's his first ever game in, in the Premier League, he could get slaughtered. You know what? First impressions are, are very important, aren't they? So it was a different one. It's a difficult one because, you know, at the same time, Ralph, I'm sure Ralph wanted to play him because he's... Stayed patient. He's got up to speed. He's done everything he needs to do, and then the opportunity comes. But I do think Ralph made the right choice with going with Jack. I I don't think it would have been right to put Salisu in that in that situation where you're throwing him in at the deep end, without even giving him any kind of time. Like with Diallo, it was different because he was able to come on in the last sort of ten minutes, five minutes, injury time or whatever, just to get a, a taste of taste of Premier League football. So I, I do think that. The FA Cup provides the perfect opportunity for, for Rav to play him. And if he doesn't play him against Shrewsbury, then you almost think, well, why even bring him in in the first place? So I, I do think we will see Salisu. So it's just a case of how he gets on and whether he doesn't pick up. like you know, let's not hope he picks up an injury from now until then or gets coronavirus or anything like that that, that could hinder his chances of playing. Because I'm sure I want to see him. I'm sure you guys want to see him. And I'm sure supporters are are very keen to see him. I hear good things said about him on the training pitch. So it's all kind of positive noises. So we we just want to see him, don't we? We want to see what all the fuss is about. And why Southampton got him in early, we just want to see what he's all about. If he needs a bit of time to get up to speed, that's absolutely fine. It's going to be his first game in England. And he's coming up against Sean Wally. And I'm looking at his record now, and he's a decent player. So, who should be doing his research like I've been doing mine, idea being for a great, a great game.
3: (laughs) Oh dear, yeah. So if anyone at Saints in the defensive areas are listening, uh, if we can get some Sean Wally research to Mohamed Selassie this week, that would be much appreciated, please. Thank you. I think that's what Dan's trying to say. Um, Steve, just to finish then, uh, I forgot to add earlier, actually, I thought Ibrahim Diallo did a very good job at uh, Fulham. Admittedly, it was Fulham, but yeah, I thought he came in and uh, looked neat and tidy. I suppose there's a high chance, Steve, that he's probably going to get some game time in this match as well. Um, I've seen Jake Vakins on the, the videos this week whipping in crosses as well. So you mentioned Raya Bertrand earlier. There's a good chance probably that uh, someone like Jake Vakins will get a game at left back. So any other particular players that you'd you expect him to see, or more importantly, would want to see get some game time? Um... There's kind of nobody really sort of leaps out at the moment because so, I mean, we've not
4: had a not had a B team game for, for seemingly about fifty seven years. So there's been there's been nobody since that since that Leicester game where Teller obviously got four in the first half and kind of tore things up there and and then got himself a first team opportunity. We've not really seen seen anything of of the kids to know kind of who's who's in form. You'd expect him to get some game time, I think. when you? I would. Probably. I would think so, but it'll, it'll be interesting to see where he plays because I think coming up against a League One defence, I think you're probably going to go with Shane Long, aren't you? I no. would. I
5: oh God, well, no! I mean, I, I, I
4: wouldn't, nec- I wouldn't necessarily pick him, but I think it, it just against against a, a side like that, I, I just think it's, it's kind of the obvious pick. Yeah, you can't even play for replays um, anymore, Steve. So. No, and yeah, and obviously the game's got to be decided on the night, which I mean, Saturday eight o'clock kickoff. I mean,
3: if <laughs> Shane starts. Long's playing, it could be a long night. Um, Carry on. <laughs> yeah,
4: and I love Shane Long. Sorry, I think it's yeah, it's it's a difficult one because you want to win the game, but you also want to give minutes to people who haven't had enough of them. But then, do you completely throw? Partnerships and um, systems out of the window because do you replace the entire central midfield and take and say to Romeo and War Prouse you have the evening off um, and we bring in Diallo and um, Smallbone is that is that mo- is that uh, an experience and mobile enough central midfield it's, to it's play been against? It's give them a lot
3: to think about this week, isn't it?
4: It is. I mean, Ralph's Ralph's got a bit of a headache with that. I mean, I guess the the flip side is that we don't we then don't have a game for a week. Uh, Le- Leicester away is the following Saturday at three o'clock so we do have do have an entire week so he c- he could stick the first team out I don't I mean I absolutely I'll be absolutely amazed if he does but in terms of fitness and conditioning there's absolutely no reason not to put the first team out um, other than risking some I mean I don't think Shrewsbury are a particularly clogging team although the manager might might hint at otherwise but some League One clogger just going up and booting our centre forwards up in the air probably isn't isn't conducive to sticking Danny Ings in in the yeah. uh, in the firing line for 90 minutes. But yeah, I mean it's who knows? I mean you you could basically pick pick the team for for Saturday from out of a tombola. Mm-hmm. I think.
3: Mm. alright well let's uh, get some uh, final predictions on this pod then for uh, that third round match Uh, of course it doesn't count towards the Premier League Prediction League I want to make sure we get that out there now so that Dan Sheldon and uh, such like don't moan next week Um, Dan let's start with you then Southampton versus Shrewsbury not Shrewsbury Town what do you reckon
6: it's going to be a 3-1 win for Southampton but Sean Wally is going to score (laughs) you've become (laughs) the biggest biggest Sean Wally fan
3: in the last 10 minutes so uh, Brilliant. All right. Glenn, what do you reckon? Uh, Saints to win 1-0. Saints to win 1-0. All right. You love your clean sheets, don't you? Um, I do. Steve? Um, 2-0 Saints, I think. 2-0 Saints. All right. And I apologise to everyone in advance because I'm going to go for Saints to win 2-1. Obviously, the one's going to be scored by Sean Wally.
0: Hi, I'm Ricky Lambeth, and you are listening to Total
5: Saints podcast.
3: Well thanks for checking in for our first pod of 2021 as always we appreciate your time if there's anything you think the four of us should be discussing about saints or any other questions like wills earlier then please do get in touch at total Saints pod on twitter Total Saints pod on facebook or total Saints podcast at yahoo.com on email otherwise thanks to Steve Dan Glenn and Ollie for joining in and giving their views and opinions see you next week when hopefully we'll have beaten the reigning champions and progressed to the FA Cup fourth round keep marching in
0: we are